everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I'm very fast approaching 4,000 reviews. Please check it out at Quipster.net. All of my reviews there, stemming all the way back to when I started writing them, 1996. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I'm going to be changing up the format of the show just a little bit. Actually, the the format of this show will remain primarily the same, which is new releases and maybe some user requests. But in addition to that, I've decided to start a a second, a side podcast, I guess you call it. It's a film review podcast in which I look at films that I really loved growing up, the 1980s. I'm a little bit older now. I'm kind of in my middle age period now. So I really wanted to spotlight some of the films that I enjoyed watching when I was a kid, expose my wife to some of those, and my young daughter. My daughter is five years old, and she even appears on the first episode of the podcast that I've released. If you're interested in hearing my reviews of 1980s films, and maybe a little bit older, because I'm also looking at films that influenced the 1980s, you can search for Around the World in 80s Movies, and 80s is spelled with the numerals 80S, Around the World in 80s Movies. Check it out on your platform that you're listening to this podcast right now. You can also go to the blog for that website. It's at around80s.blueberry.net. And I should have a link up to this podcast at my website. You can go to qwipster.net for those details. In the meantime, I'm also going to be continuing here on this particular podcast to look at some of the new movies that are out in theaters. The film I'm going to be reviewing today is actually not new. I actually saw it a little time ago, but I'm finally getting to some of those reviews that it took me some time to catch up on. It's a little bit late. But better late than never. I wanted to see it because I do enjoy the work of Catherine Bigelow. And the film I'm going to be doing today is called Detroit. It's her latest film. It's a drama primarily. It has thriller elements to it. It's rated R because of strong violence and pervasive language. The cast includes Algie Smith, John Boyega, Will Poulter, Anthony Mackie, Jacob Lattimore, Ben O'Toole, Jack Rayner. And actually, it's, it's a fairly large ensemble cast. In addition to Catherine Bigelow directing, she's also working with Mark Boll. Mark Boll seems to be her favorite screenwriter of late because he also wrote the screenplay for her widely acclaimed Best Picture winner, The Hurt Locker, as well as another acclaimed film, Zero Dark Thirty. She's taking on the challenge of crafting a drama that's based on the true events of one particular tragedy that occurred during the race riots, also known as the 12th Street Riot that happened in Detroit back in July of 1967. The screenwriter, Mark Boll, used the facts of the case that had been brought out from court records as well as some personal interviews that he's done with survivors that were involved in order to reconstruct the dramatized encapsulation of events for the purpose of this film narrative. As a film, Detroit is less ambiguous than their previous efforts. First, we start with an animated sequence that tackles head-on the reasons why largely African-American communities exist in many inner cities in places like Detroit and why they're patrolled mostly from outside police officers to have to deal with the issues there, particularly from a resentful and disdainful point of view. And from there, though, Bigelow and Bowl don't paint one side as saints and the other sinners. They definitely know which sides the sins are being committed and which side suffers as a result of the sins of the other. Now, the riots and looting were sparked by the mostly white police force coming into a predominantly black neighborhood in order to infiltrate a nightclub operating without a license, which is also known as a blind pig. And that was just another of a continuing series 
of incidents of police aggression and harassment in that area that had seemingly gone on unchecked. So riots erupted. The bulk of Bigelow's film concentrates on one particular incident, the Algiers Motel incident, in which a group of black men and two white women end up having a terrifying night while being interrogated by several white police officers and some members of the National Guard. The methods of interrogation include beatings, the horrifying deaths of those who refused to comply to the request of the authorities to produce a gun that they believed had been used to shoot at them. Now, the film is unflinching and unnerving. Catherine Bigelow here is painting a scenario of cops gone amok, trying to preserve justice in this community that they're not a part of, and they seem far too racist in their views to value what goes on in that community. And though dramatized, the events have a natural feel to them that does make for a particularly harrowing viewing. And that's probably going to conflict some viewers' sympathies as to how they feel about the use of force that they see in front of them on the screen, perhaps even challenging their own notions of prejudice and view that the cops are always right in these situations, or that the cops might also engage in criminality themselves in the pursuit of nabbing criminals, particularly ones that they don't like. It's also troubling because these issues that occur between white cops and the African-Americans that they interrogate continues to result in injury and death today, even 50 years after the events in Detroit that we're witnessing on the screen. Detroit doesn't really have a central star performance here. There's a reliance on an ensemble cast that concentrates on certain key people that are involved. One group happens to be a couple of members of the then up-and-coming soul group called The Dramatics, who are on the verge of getting noticed by record producers in front of the crowds at the Fox Theater in Detroit, the home of the Motown Sound, so a really big, hot community there. Unfortunately, the venue is shut down prior to The Dramatics taking the stage, and that results in lead performer Larry Smith, as well as backup talent Freddie Temple, staying at the aforementioned Algiers Motel, which is known by the cops as a hotspot for prostitutes, at least until the rioting blows over. And that's also where someone pulls out a starter pistol and, I guess jokingly, aims and fires it toward the nearby National Guard units that are stationed in the streets there. And the National Guard happens to be actively looking for snipers that are taking pot shots at them, so that really raises their suspicion and they're going to get the sniper at all costs. The police end up investigating and they begin their intense and ends up being highly illegal shakedown of the potential perpetrators and it's all very much fueled by fear, by anger, by disdain for the race of the individuals that they're questioning. Those police are also spotlighted as main performers in this film, in particular Officer Philip Krauss, who's played here by Will Poulter. We meet him very early in the film shooting at a looter, ends up striking him in his back as he's running away from stealing groceries. So we know that Officer Krauss has little compulsion to squeeze the trigger if he suspects that suspects are not complying with his orders, even if the crime is petty. He was stealing groceries from a store when everybody else was looting as well. Add to this the presence of two white girls at the motel that further raises a lot of ire among the white law enforcement officers who can't bear the thought of interracial coupling going on in their midst, prostitutes or not. Death threats end up emerging. Epithets of race are strewn about liberally. Some false executions as well in the cops' ploy to get one of the suspects to confess to a criminal act that they all vehemently deny having any knowledge of all along. There's really not much evidence other than a suspicion. Strong performances flesh out roles that aren't really afforded a great deal of screen time due to the ensemble nature of this as a piece. 
John Boyega is very strong playing Melvin, who is this security guard with enough savvy to know what the racist white officers are capable of and how to deal with them in order to make sure that they don't cross the line without purpose. Will Poulter, as I mentioned, undergoes a complete transformation from what we've seen him do in films before. He has a very intense and deadly serious role. It's fascinating to observe for all of his flawed reasoning to commit the acts he does in the name of justice. If I have to criticize a little bit for that character, we don't really get enough sense of his motivation for doing what he does from scene to scene, other than, you know, he is a racist and kind of a hothead, or why he seems to have a great deal of pent-up animosity that seems bursting to unleash on those he finds power over. Now, Detroit, as a film, is a very intense, very and maybe even occasionally overbearing drama. It plays like a dark and grim thriller in all the best ways. I do think it's hampered somewhat by a lack of focus on what I may, might consider to be a core theme that would really drive it home, other than the fact that we have this real abuse of justice on the part of cops. One need not look at this film to understand that. You can also just look at the headlines that are going on right now. There's also an excessive length to the film. The film runs two hours and 23 minutes, so that's that's pretty long for a film that doesn't really have a lot of deep nuance and a lot of multi-layered thematic material to draw from. And it doesn't really need to be driven to epic proportions. The drama is weighty, but it's not necessarily something that needs to be almost two and a half hours long. I think the most unnerving aspect of this very unsettling film is that though 50 years have passed since these incendiary incidents, the headlines of today are really still full of those tragic occurrences that happen between the police and the African-American suspects that they're interrogating, particularly in how the justice system seems to perpetually favor one group here, the cops, over the other, the African-Americans, in ways that crush the spirit of many in the African-American community, if not snuff out their desire to be members of the overall society altogether, as we see happen in this film. Now, if there's any part of the film that I wish could have been shored up, it's the emotional content. And certainly, it's very uncomfortable to see a lot of the behavior that's displayed by the policemen in this film. It's going to elicit anger in you in some of the worst of it. But for as tense as Bigelow keeps the film, there's still this level of disconnect that we in the audience have between ourselves and the characters that we actually should feel the most for, perhaps because there's quite a bit of time afforded to the law enforcement officers and they're conspiring to control the situation that they themselves have stoked to incendiary levels. So our focus is really shifting all over the place and it doesn't really allow us to kind of root in to these characters and their story other than what happens in the events. The film also continues into this final act that happens in the court system that could be viewed on one hand as too abbreviated to get a lot of really good drama out of, or some people might actually find that it's not necessary or immediate to see as what came before, and that leaves a lot of the momentum of the film feeling less passionate during these scenes, even though it's still very relevant to see that justice doesn't get served, whether it's in the court system or out. And while it is still very fascinating from a historical standpoint, the outrage that comes with the final verdict just makes the justice seem like it's not really blind, but more like deaf and dumb when it comes to African-Americans who want to see officers pay for what they've done. The court system just seems to be very oblivious to the needs of the community at large. And while the film may fall short of the heights that Bigelow and Bull delivered in Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker, I think that there's still plenty of potency within Detroit to spark thought and a lot of conversation on the matter, on this imbalance among races in this country and the justice provided or lack thereof to those who continue to feel intimidated and oppressed 
by the authorities. And if there's a lesson to be drawn at all, it's that as long as racist law enforcement officers feel like there is not going to be very many, if any, consequences to violating the civil rights of the minorities that they're apprehending, including murder under the guise of self-defense, we're going to see these stories continue and they're not going to cease anytime soon. And unfortunately, maybe we'll get more movies like Detroit, only they don't have to be set 50 years ago. And that's the real downside. So if it does spark conversation, if it does cause more people to focus on this problem, certainly a film like Detroit is worthwhile. It didn't really do so well at the box office, unfortunately, but I do think it's still worth seeking out if you're at all interested in this subject matter. And that's why I'm going to give Detroit three stars out of four. Three stars means that I do recommend it for those people who really like Catherine Bigelow's films or Mark Bull and their track record, but also people who are really interested in seeing stories of police responsibility and irresponsibility and what can result from all of that. So three stars out of four for Detroit. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you do, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button and you'll continue to get all of my reviews downloaded into your podcast player. Don't forget Around the World in 80s Movies. While you happen to be using your podcast app, please search for it. Check it out. I've already reviewed episode four of Star Wars because it's the first series that I'm going to be doing on there, including The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So I'm really excited to be getting into those films. So around the world in 80s movies. Don't forget, you can also find some of my new podcast work on the In Session Film Podcast. Go to InSessionFilm.com for details on that. And until next time, thanks everyone. Please enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies. Bye.